Venturing Voices provides a platform for women in South Carolina who get shit done. I'm Nell Fuller, the co-founder of Femex Columbia and Fem Capital, and each week I'll dive deeper into the stories of inspirational women who make an impact in the Columbia community and beyond. and welcome back to Venturing Voices. I'm really excited this week to have Sandy McGugan here with me. Sandy is a huge insurance tech influencer in the city of Columbia. She was part of a company that really set the stage here for growth in the insurance tech industry and the way that Sandy has brought her beautiful spirit and drive into the company is what made it so successful. So I'm really excited to have her here today to talk a little bit about her journey um, in both entrepreneurism and just her journey in life in general. So now I'm gonna turn it over to you, Sandy, to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so I was born in Alaska on Kodiak Island, and I was actually born one day after the state became a state. So my birthday and the state of Alaska's birthday is the same day. I was there for the earthquake in 1964, 9.2 on the Richter scale, a tremendous earthquake, and I actually remember every bit of it. So that oh my was- gosh, how old were you? I was five at the time. So yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> I remember every moment. It was pretty amazing. Um, coming up, I have had kind of a difficult childhood. And honestly, my life has been a journey of perseverance and learning and trying to grow in the process and understanding the necessity of healing for self, I mean of forgiveness for self-healing and that has helped me so much in my journey. So um, I've got two children, um, Trey and Chase, and I've been married to a wonderful man. We just celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary last week. Thank you. So yeah, we love Columbia. I'm not originally from here, neither is my husband, but we love it and we're really excited to be investing here. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you're retired officially with all of your wonderful side projects, but tell us a little bit about what you did. Yes, exactly. Thank you for that. So um, originally, I really loved math and science. And when I was growing up, in my mind, I wanted to be like Mary Tyler Moore. I wanted to have a career in a big city. I was going to work on computers. But my father said, you need to be an airline stewardess first so you can travel the world. So that was my plan. I was going to be an airline stewardess and then I was going to work on computers. Okay. Instead, you know, it kind of ended up that way. Um, I ended up in accounting and I met a girl by happenstance at a Carolina football game who introduced me to PMSC. It was PMS at the time. And they had been the very first person, people, the very first company to develop software for property and casualty insurance companies and they were looking for someone with an accounting background so i was lucky enough to get hired there and i loved it and i was really good at it and i never left and i've I've been doing that ever since um i left after 16 years and uh to raise our son and then um my husband and i started a company from there wonderful so how did you decide to follow that path? What did your journey look like? So you, you gave us some broad strokes there, but really, how did you, where did you go to school? How did you start out? Um, so I have to, yeah, I meant to also say that, um, 
So my dream of being an airline stewardess and then in, in the account in the uh, computer world, when I went to work for PMSC, we did a lot of traveling. We were really lucky to be able to travel the world. So you didn't have to be an airline exactly. stewardess. Exactly. So it kind right? of came together, you know, it kind of came together. Um, I went to school, uh, I grew up in Florida. I was born in Alaska, but grew up in Florida. Um, I went to school at USC and Mississippi University for Women, which is, you know, two completely different types of things. Um, and I, I was with PMS for 16 years, stopped, and then my husband and I decided we wanted to start our own company. So he had, we'd both been with PMSC, then we had, um, he had gone to work for Duck Creek, which did the same thing that PMSC did, but a little bit different. It was still a software developer. And he found that working for large companies after they were acquired and the bureaucracy was tremendously frustrating. Mm -hmm. And, he can't, and I could see the frustration as he was at home trying to go through all these conference calls with all these layers of, you know, bureaucrats on the calls. And he said, you know, I just really want to run my own company. I want to start my own company. And between us, we had 40-something years of experience. And I said, you know what, let's do it. Let's, we knew we could do it. So we did. You know, after all those years of PMSC and Duck Creek, we decided we were going to start our own company doing the implementation. So what we did was we partnered with the developers. So they developed the product, and then we implemented the product for them. So you have to know the product very well. You have to know the business, property, and casualty very well. And um, so, yeah, that's what we did. And there were already a lot of people in Columbia that knew that business. Surprisingly, people don't know, but Columbia is the number one place for people that understand InsurTech for property and casualty. It started here and it is the, it's, yeah, it's, it's more than anywhere else in the world. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard that, that Columbia is just has become a huge hub for InsurTech and it's a really big attractor to our city. So I'm wondering when you decided to start the business, did you see a gap in the market? There's the frustration with the bureaucracy of the big companies, but where was the gap in the market and how did you all, you know, kind of come to that aha moment that was like, this is what we can do to make yes. it better? Well, it, 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 so in both cases, both companies that we had worked for have been acquired by larger companies. And there's just this tremendous amount of bureaucracy that makes, you're just not as nimble, you know, when you're in a larger company. And we knew that we could do things stronger and faster okay. if we did it on our own. And we were a little bit nervous, but we were also very confident that we could do it. And we started the company with one employee and my husband and myself. And we realized after we had been doing it for a while that we had created a real culture to allow people to grow into what they were really good at and what their passions were. And it was something that we had no idea we were going to do. And it was wonderful to realize. And so we started kind of telling people when they came on board, you can do anything you want here. You know, we may be hiring you for finance, we may be hiring you as an account rep, but if you see something on the other side of the building and you want to try that, do that. Yeah. Figure out what you love. And I think because of that, it was really fun to watch the employees really kind of figure out who they were and what they loved, and it empowered them, mm -hmm. and it made them a real part of the company. They, they took just as much pride in the company as we did because they were, they were involved all the way. Yeah, and I think that culture building is so important for companies to embrace, but especially when you're starting up and you have so much on your plate, 
it's important that you still are able to put that emphasis on the culture of building up the people around you. And I think that's why you're so successful and inspiring. So tell us a little bit more about what inspires you, Sandy. So, you know, honestly, a lot of things inspire me, but it, it, to, this, to this vein, I would have to say that what inspires me the most is working with young people because they're, they're bright and they're energetic and they, they think outside of the box and they're not tied down by what, was, what we've done in the past. Well, we've always done it this way, so this is the way. You know, they come to the table and they say, let's try it a different way, you know, let's, let's, let's try. And so I, Sam and I both have been very, very inspired working with younger people. Um, we love watching their potential and um, we know that they're gonna persevere. No matter what, they're gonna persevere. Yeah, um, so when you were getting started, did you mostly have a younger staff or is this something that you've embraced like across all of your? So that's a great work? question. We actually seeded our, our company with a couple of, or with several very experienced people that we had worked with. So, you know, I kind of looked back on my career when PMS hired me, I was 27 and I didn't know anything about property and casualty, it, you know, development, soft, none of that. And they, and none of us did because it hadn't been done before. Wow. It was the first company to have done that. Okay. And so they brought us all in and they just, they taught us everything that we needed to know. And we all grew up and now our children are doing it. And in some cases our grandchildren are doing that. And so when we started our company, I remembered that. And I loved that culture that we had at PMS. And I said, you know what, that's what we're gonna do here. So we had a couple of people that were very experienced and knew what they were doing and the rest we brought in as interns okay. to see if they liked it and then at the end of the internship they were either offered a job and they could accept or decline. I don't think anybody declined. I think every single person stayed and they really loved it and they just learned and so now it's not just originally it was the original PMSC group and all of their um, children and you know that we're doing it but now there's a whole new group of people that are doing it and I, I I hope that T-Cube is one of the reasons that that happened because we brought people in I mean we ended up with people that um I, there's one girl that came in she was a sociology major mm -hmm. and she came in she did so she studied sociology because she didn't know what she wanted to do we hired her as an account rep and now she's a data scientist wow because she looked over the sh over the wall and said I want to do what he's doing and it, he, she's now a data scientist so she did, it. she did it and I'm really proud of that and so you know there's, there's a few stories like that so yeah yeah well so a little bit about um how I met Sandy um she was introduced to me from a friend when we very first started thinking about Fem Capital and Femex Columbia we had hardly anything put together um but we thought we did. I remember, um, you know, I was like, we've got this great thing and it's planned out and we know what we're doing. And um, we got connected to Sandy and um, some of your friends and we all got together for drinks and had dinner. And that conversation was so impactful on our journey in getting started. Just hearing your questions and your experience um, from growing your own company and where you took risks and where you didn't. And I mean, you guys started from like at the incubator, yes, right? Yes, the um, incubator. You know, putting IKEA furniture together yes. and, and how you um, put everything into it and your drive to do it. And um, 
you know, I think we came away from that conversation, A, like we need to put way more work into this so we can answer all of these questions that, that, that people have and, and really think about, um, it was important that we not just like jump into a wild idea, but that there was a lot of thought behind it and that we could really meet the needs of, um, you know, women, particularly in Colombia. Exactly. Yes. So that, I mean, that was our first big meeting of like, I remember the, that very clearly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was a great meeting. It was wonderful. Uh -huh. Um, so what have the critics said along the way? That's, you know, one of the really hard parts to starting your own business is hearing all of the criticism, but still not giving up. So a lot of people doubted that we could do it. It was just the two of us and they just doubted that we were going to be able to compete with the larger companies who really had a stronghold. And um, we didn't listen to it. You know, we thought, we're just going to do it. We knew we knew the business. We'd been doing it, you know, together for so many years and we knew we could do it. And we just went out there and we just did it. Um, we were scrappy. We did whatever we had to do to make it work. Um, you know, you mentioned the IKEA tables. Um, funnily enough, we were not able to afford IKEA tables for the first probably year, so that was a luxury to have IKEA tables <laughs> that we would do an IKEA run and come back with the IKEA tables. But um, you know, we just didn't listen to that. We did not listen to you can't do this. You don't have. You, I, I'll remember. I'll tell you one, one kind of funny story. We would have these um, customer conferences. The um, developers would. And you had to buy, you know, the level of partnership. And so we could only afford the least amount of, you know, the least expensive one that they offered. Right. And so they said, well, okay, well, TQ, we're going to put you way back in the back here, you know. And I thought, oh, man, you come off the elevator in this beautiful hotel and they have these big um, banners for all the other companies. And, and there we were all the way in the back. And I was thought, oh, man, nobody's even going to see us. <laughs> But it turned out they set us up right next to the bar. Ah, <laughs> so we had a whole crowd of people. <laughs> so it was that sort of thing. You know, we were just kind of scrappy and we ended up by the bar. So we were like, hey, come over here and you let us demo for you. So yeah. it was that kind of thing. You know, that we, even that, you know, they thought there, there's no, they're not going to make it. They're, this isn't going to happen. And it's, it actually ended up really well. You just kind of, we worked with what we had. And um, yeah, I mean, it was great. I, I just, and I just I have to just go back to the employees and how wonderful they were. I mean, they would help paint offices. Um, when we literally, when we first started, we were in the incubator, which is this dilapidated building that other companies come and came and went from. And in the basement of this building, all of the thrown away furniture was down there. And you could kind of go down and go through the furniture and take pick and choose whatever you needed. And it was terrible furniture. But literally, <laughs> when we would hire people, it would be this big, you know, their first day would be, let's go down to the basement and find the best chair for you. And so right. we, you know, they would take them down to the basement and they'd roll these chairs up through these terrible elevators. And, you know, some of them were leaving offices on Main Street with these beautiful views and they were coming to work for us but you know we were saying you can wear whatever you want to wear you can bring your you know we had drinks for them like sodas and that sort of thing mm -hmm. um and they worked hard i mean they worked really hard because they knew that it was just it was a really special place it was a real family and it was a special place and we showed our critics that we could do it by golly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um as a, you know the tech industry is you know historically male driven and um you know you know, very, um, has a reputation. So as a woman, um, you know, growing up 
essentially all the way through your career in tech. Talk a little bit about that. So I, you know, I um, honestly, I never really felt that. I know a lot of women have felt that, but there were a lot of really strong women at PMSC and they're still out there. And, uh, you know, I looked up to them and I admired them and, you know, they mentored a lot of us. And um, I have to say, I think maybe PMSC was one of the people or one of the companies that realized the contributions that women made. And, yeah. you know, my husband realized in the end that women make much better account reps than men do because we're so able to multitask you know women I think just our nature is we've got you know we've got kids and we've got dinner you know kind of coming up and so it's very easy for us to multitask whereas men tend to be laser focused right. and I think I don't think that that's um, necessarily a bad thing on either side I think it's right. just really great that we're finally I think as a culture as a society realizing that that you know these are the men's strengths and these are the women's strengths intellectually not physically right and um, you know, I really hope that it continues to grow. I'm, I'm so proud that we have a female vice president. You know, I just feel like we're really, yeah. we're really turning the corner. So, you know, you talked a little bit about what your critics have said along the way. What's the biggest challenge overall that you faced in growing this huge company? So that's a really great question. And um, I will say that um, in addition to hiring the right people and, and, and kind of growing those in there's this all this work that goes on in the background and that is managing your revenue stream and managing your expenses and making sure that we always had enough money for payroll and convincing the banks to give us a line of credit if we needed it watching the sales and making sure collections were really strong um, when we did, we were really tight on that. And again, we got our employees signed up, like whoever was managing a company, it was their job if they if the company was not paying to talk to the, because they had the contacts there. And they did that. And, you know, we're, we're really proud at the end that we, actually not even at the end, all the way through, we were able to give our employees a bonus every Christmas, this tiny little company that we had. And I mean, we would sweat over what the bonuses were going to be because we wanted them to be the most they could because our employees worked really hard. Right. So, you know, it was really just managing the income and the outgoing and making sure that you were, and, and you had to stay just ahead of it as you'd make a sale and then you'd have to hire, you know, and you, so you were literally just staying right ahead of it. So it sounds like you were the people person that drove this this amazing HR culture and created um, and brought up the employees that were part of the company. Is this something that you um, you know ever thought that you would be doing? Is leading and developing really a, a whole approach to HR that most companies really don't take into consideration? You know that's a really great question, and it's and no, I never ever thought that it would be something that I would be doing, and um, I kind of stumbled into it, and I intuitively listen really well to people and and I'm always interested in people I'm interested in to who they really are I prefer to get to know people one-on-one -on -one than in a group setting because it's hard to get to know people in a group setting and I think because of that it carried over into into what I was doing there and I got to know each person individually and could kind of instinctually know you know if they were happy or not um, a, a lot of people are plagued by self-doubt and you don't even know that they are but they carry it around with them and if you can, can get them past that then it's um, it, yeah I did not it's not something that I expected but it's something that I, I, I enjoyed it so much and I really miss it and I stay in touch with with most of these people too it's been it's nice yeah. you know hearing where they've ended up
Yeah. Yeah. That self-doubt piece is, is huge. And yes, um... <laughs> it really is. And we all have it, Yeah, you know, and we create it and, you know, it's just a matter of kind of chipping away at that and, you know, celebrating their successes and seeing the surprise on their face when they realize, wow, I did that. You know, I really yeah. did that and I was good at it. And, and then watching them take off you know, continuing to be good at whatever it is that they love doing. You know, I know you've heard this. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's what we tried to do is help them figure out what they loved. Yeah, yeah. So venture. Um, this podcast is Venturing Voices. And so, um, you know, we want to ask every guest that comes on, why do they venture? Why do you, it's hard. Venturing is not easy. It's not easy to go out on your own and carve your own path and, you know, in the face of, of criticism and failure. Um, so why do you venture? So I think we do it, or we did it, or I guess we kind of continue to do it in our own way because I think society needs people that are willing to go out there and make a difference, just like yourself. You know, I mean, it's you've got a great vision here that you're doing, and um, you're making it work. You know, it's something that we really need here. And, and I think that's what Sam and I did, too. You know, it's something that we knew we could do, and we just decided to take a chance. I think venturing is more about taking risks and you know risks and rewards. And um, for us, the risk was certainly worth what we were going after. And there were times when we went without a, um, a paycheck for a year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was not only was I managing <laughs> the finances at the office, I was managing them at home as well. Yeah. And you know, we just we were just so convinced that this was not only going to be good for us, but for everyone that was involved in it. So right. that was why we did it. And that's why we continue to do it. We continue to venture in Columbia. Um, Columbia is a really great place and we really want to continue to invest in Columbia. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I heard there is, um, you know, it's when you venture, you really have to be selfless a lot of the time. Like you, you venture because you saw a need and you knew it was going to be great, not only for the market um, and for Columbia, but for all of your employees. I don't think we hear that often enough. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So what's next? Yeah. So um, I, you know, when I, I am now officially retired and um, I have been asked to sit on several boards and I've declined those because I don't want to take up my time sitting on a lot of boards. But, you know, we do strive to invest in other startups and other entrepreneurs. Um, and we want to invest in Columbia. We want to invest in um, small businesses. Um, I f we both feel like Columbia, someone said to me kind of off the cuff, um, Columbia is cool like Austin in the 70s. And I said, gosh, that's a, that should be the city slogan because we really are. Yeah. You know, I just feel like we Columbia is doing so many really cool things now and becoming so progressive. And it's a really cool place to be. And it's some place that we want to invest in and we want to continue to help grow. Um, we're both very passionate about supporting the arts. Um, you know, we, of course, we're supporting music. We've got we're kind of a very musical family, mm -hmm. um, and local artists, and um, we've been big supporters of the Museum of Art. I think they've done a really a lot to help Columbia as well. Um, I do sit on the procurement review panel. It's something that I was asked to do, 
And honestly, when they asked me, they said, you get a license tag? And I said, oh, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I want a license tag. I never got the license tag, but I have really enjoyed the process. I've really enjoyed getting to know the whole procurement process for the state of South Carolina. Yeah. And I will say that I've, without fail, I've been very impressed at the people that are doing the procurement and how hard they work to get it right. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot involved in it, and there's a lot involved in you know not having a conflict of interest, and, and they do a really good job with that. And I've, that's been really enjoyable for me. Um, and then I've spent my COVID year starting my memoir, so <laughs> that's you know that's my next thing is um, so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and spending a lot of time with my puppies. Yeah. So when when can we all expect to read your memoir? I don't know. You know, I thought it would take me about nine months, and I'm on my second year, so okay. um, probably another year, I would guess. But you'll be the first, I promise. Okay, wonderful. I will call you first. Sandy will be back on the show to tell us about her memoir. Absolutely. All right, well, thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to talk to you um, live on Venturing Voices, and I've learned even so much more getting to know you in this format than um, socially. So thank you so much for sharing all Absolutely. of Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Nell, and thank you for what you're doing for Columbia. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> all right, well, we'll see you all next Friday. Um, we'll be back. Thanks so much. Tuning in to Venturing Voices. We're excited to release a new podcast every Friday, which can be found on our website at femxcolumbia.com forward slash Venturing Voices. We look forward to you tuning in next week and introducing you to another badass woman. Thanks so much.